0: Today on Bridges, you'll meet a young man who at one time struggled with a big addiction and then he found his way back home and to recovery. I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm glad that you could join us today on Bridges where we bring you hope for the journey. My guest today is Blake Hamill. And Blake, it's good to have you back again on Bridges.
1: It's excellent to be back. Thank you.
0: You know, Blake, I would like us to start out with a little bit about your story again. I know you've been on before, but some people might not have ever met you, but it was on my heart to kind of do a series on prodigals and the prodigal journey. And I know that you had one of those and your prodigal journey uh, really includes a big addiction and a struggle with that, even though you came from a good Christian home. Um, So, Let's start with your story.
1: Absolutely, Monica. So my story starts in a very loving and supportive home. Uh, my family always told me that they loved me every single night, never had to wonder where my next meal was coming from. I was always provided for. Um, I uh, got into addiction around uh, 16, and it just escalated from there. Um, it went from, you know, the party scene to an isolated um, addiction. And, um, it just got worse and worse to the point where I was using needles. Um, I was smoking crack and drinking every single day.
0: That's, that's a big addiction and it started young. You're talking about 16. I'm thinking you were probably still in high school. Yes, ma'am. So was it a thing like where you were just around people that were using drugs and you started experimenting and before you knew you were like locked or what happened?
1: Absolutely. So, um, before i even tried drugs i think this is a notable thing to bring up in my story um i had some um some really big issues like depression anxiety um felt like an outcast uh, a pariah of society yeah. and um and so with that negative thinking um i just took drugs with it and it just went yeah. into yeah. you know a danger zone
0: so a lot of people would say blake and and i'm a mom so I, you know from from a mom's heart i i think probably as as our son was growing up, my thought process was, well, if his dad and I are Christians and we're praying for him every day and we're saying, we love you and you're being, right, supported and all the things, how did the, like the anxiety and the depression and feeling like an outcast, how do those things, because a lot of people think if you come from a good home, like that's just not ever going to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good point. So, I mean, what, what the devil intended for me um, to destroy me, yeah. um, I let him for a good while because, you know, I had a choice to listen to the devil's words or my family's words, mm-hmm. which, you know, they're telling me who God says I am and that I'm loved every single day unconditionally. But mm-hmm. I chose to listen to the voice that was uh, darker and more destructive.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I know that, you know, when it comes to addiction. There can be sometimes a controversial discussion whether addiction is a choice or it's a disease or whether you're born that way or whether you're not. And I I guess, and I'm not a medical expert, so I don't know. My thought process from just doing this show for so many years and talking to people who really get in bondage to an addiction is that it does start with a choice. But for some people, once they open that door, it's harder for them to walk away. Like some people can party and get high and then say, you know, this is really stupid. It's not working for me. I'm going to walk away. But for other people they're caught and they're in a bondage and it's just not impossible because nothing's impossible with God, but it's harder to walk away. Was that kind of your experience or?
1: Yes. So, um, at an early age, I mentioned I had, you know, really bad issues with anxiety, depression, (laughs) Um, so for a good while the drugs filled the void the drugs allowed me to fix myself Mm -hmm. um, and it was never a permanent fix as you know when it got worse and worse Um, I've always been driven to um, really hyper focus on things and so when i dove into the drug world, I hyper-focused on it Mm -hmm. and it became my new identity because I didn't place my identity in Christ at that time. I I didn't know who I was. And Mm -hmm. so I was very malleable with my personality and my interests. And so I just got hooked in. Mm
0: -hmm. So what was that term you used? Hyper-focused?
1: Hyper-focused.
0: Hyper-focused. Is that that like you overthink something or
1: I get tunnel vision. So when I like something, I absolutely love it.
0: Okay. So you're like an all or nothing,
1: all or nothing guy, zero to a hundred. So
0: you kind of found what seemed like a quick fix. We know it's not permanent, but you were like, I'm going to just stick with this because it's working right now. Exactly. Mm. Okay. Did your parents know, like when you were at those young ages, like 16, did they have an idea that there's a problem?
1: Oh, they had a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I'm, I'll never forget it I was 16 17 years old and I was a uh, uh, was about to graduate high school and I got arrested for the first time uh, with possession of cocaine
0: when you were in high school
1: when I was in high school and um, I was in the back of the uh, the police cruiser and my mom came up and you could just see the shock and dismay on her face mm-hmm. and uh, that face still today is you know one of the faces of you know, disapproval of, oh no, I've really done it this time. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, displeased my mother.
0: Yeah. So I know that, and, and I've talked to lots of parents and lots of people over the years on bridges. And I remember one young lady that sticks out to me that she said that her parents would, when they were trying to correct her and steer her back the right way, that her parents would say, it seems like you just don't even care. And she wouldn't respond to that. But when she got to a place of recovery, she was able to articulate, I did care. Like, it killed me that I was hurting my parents, but I just didn't know what else to do. Like, I was just, she just felt trapped. She just couldn't get away. Was it like that for you?
1: Absolutely. So my parents tried almost everything. <laughs> I mean, they they tried multiple counselors since I was a young age. Um, I've been hospitalized for uh, several times. And like for
0: overdoses or mental health? For or- mental
1: health. Okay. And also on top of that, um, they would really try to get me uh, into church. I mean, every single time those doors were open, they were, they're getting me into church. Did you want to go? No.
0: Oh, did you go?
1: I I did.
0: <laughs> did you listen? No. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I pushed back um, yeah. equally as hard. And, um, you know, it, it was really just a battle. I often uh, would hear my father say, you know, just stop, just stop. And Mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, that's just not an option Mm -hmm. Um, because in my mind I'm convinced that I need this, this chemical in my life Mm -hmm. to make me better, which is also destroying me. And so you have that insanity going on. Um, And so for me, I was convinced and um, I couldn't be convinced otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to do this the only reason that I'm doing this show and we're talking about Blake's story, my prayer is that it will bring us all hope because Blake is no longer in this really dark place that we're talking about. And so I want us to keep telling your story, but I, I hope right now you could just talk about the fact that not only are you living clean and sober, mm-hmm. but you're helping other people to do so also now.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. So today I'm actually being able to be a ray of hope for other people that are just trying their hardest to get out of this addiction. And they don't know where to turn. They right. don't know who to go to. Right. Um, they have a shred of hope in God and they're just clinging on to yeah. that. And so today I'm able to do that.
0: Yeah. And and that's, that's a miracle. And we're going to meet your mom in another show who just never stopped praying for you. And I'm sure that your dad never did too. Amen. At, but my, my point in doing all of this is to help people to understand what the person who gets trapped, like kind of what they're thinking, what they're going through. And you, you talked about the shred of hope was God, but there was a time in your life that you weren't even open to God. Right. Or you had closed the door.
1: I knew he existed, mm-hmm. but um, I thought I was a lost cause. I thought he'll do it for everybody but me. Yeah.
0: You really didn't see a way out. I didn't. So how bad did it get for you, Blake?
1: Uh, It got really bad to the point where I committed, tried to commit suicide several times. Um, And also, I mean, I I had some overdoses, um, had to be hospitalized for many different things, Mm -hmm. according to drugs. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: What what about your parents' response to all of that? That had to be hard for them.
1: It was really hard. Um, So I remember... It was two thousand twelve and I had been hospitalized. I was in the ER for a really bad infection due to me uh, shooting up drugs and um, I had my girlfriend at the time there with my mother, and my mom looked at her and she goes, "You need to know what you're getting into because my son has a demon and he he's a great great boy, but right now he's just he's not in a good place." Mm-hmm. And uh, she's right. You know, yeah. I I was totally held down by this addiction. And even though I've always had this cheerful, um, I mean, it was moreover a, uh, a nice inflection and nice personality, the dirt would come up really quick. And mm-hmm. you would see the manipulative side, um, yeah. the hurtful side, uh, the really afflicted side. Yeah. There's no other way to say it.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you say it that way, because when a person is steeped in addiction, you, you have to lie to cover it up, right? You oh. have to be manipulative, like, because pe- we inherently, like, we know that's wrong. Right. You had to know it was wrong. Absolutely. So did you lie?
1: All the time. All I, the time. I forgot which lies I had told people. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep up. <laughs>
0: I'm not laughing because I think that's okay, uh, but, yeah. you know, I've not ever struggled with addiction, but there was a time in my life that I lied so much that pretty much if my mouth was moving, I was lying. And and that's when I was a teenager and I would get to the place that I would try to spin anything that I was saying just to wiggle my way out. But yep. everybody knew I was lying.
1: Yep. You yeah. said it really well. It's that wiggle room. I always looked for that wiggle room so I could continue this lifestyle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and. And that's probably what most anybody that's steeped in addiction is trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. They know it's wrong, but you don't want to get caught.
1: Right. Yeah. And the devil wants you to stay there. The devil wants you to try to find every single avenue to remain in that bondage.
0: Yeah. And the family's working really hard to get you free, Mm -hmm. but you just didn't see it. Do you have siblings?
1: I do. I have a younger brother. He's three years younger than I.
0: Three years younger and... I'm thinking he saw what you were going through.
1: He did. And, um, you know, he was able to show me that he was displeased with my actions mm-hmm. and he wanted better for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a normal uh, kid in high school and he was able to party just like anybody else. But um, it never got to addiction with yeah. him.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. We never know if we're that one. Right. That's the thing. When we open that door, none of us walk into any of that thinking this is just going to own me someday, Mm -hmm. right? And ruin my life. But for some people, I think it's really hard to walk away. We've got to take a break. I want you to stay with us today on Bridges. When we come back, we're going to hear more about Blake's story and his road to recovery. Join the Bridges community on Facebook. Visit Facebook and search for Bridges with Monica. We would love to connect with you. Don't miss another episode of Bridges.
1: Subscribe to our YouTube channel today where you can find all of Monica's latest teachings. Just visit youtube.com, search Monica Schmelter and click subscribe. Once subscribed, click the bell icon to get notified when a new episode is available. Thanks for watching Bridges.
0: God's Word says you're an overcomer. It takes training, it takes discipline. And so, when you're fighting that good fight of the faith, you take your story, whatever it is, and you saturate it in faith and you fight for it.
1: Visit monicasmelter.com to schedule Monica to speak at your next event.
0: If you're just joining me today on Bridges, Blake Hamill is my guest, and we're talking about his story of addiction, of being a prodigal, but also his road to recovery. So, Blake, you've been um, regrettably in some really dark places and some tight spots. And I'm sure that your mom and dad, as we've talked, had to be so concerned. And you talked about your little brother being displeased with your behavior. And that had to be even hard on a young man who's already struggling Mm -hmm. with depression, anxiety, and addiction. How many years did that lifestyle last for you?
1: I want to say 10 to 12 years.
0: It's a lot of years because you're a young man. So you spent a lot of years of your life in that. What, you know, what was the point that you saw the light of day or you had the thought with God's help, I'm going to turn this around.
1: I I saw it several times. So um, my life was spared. I went through a really bad car wreck. Um, I mean, I just, I went through the gamut of all the injuries that I got from that. And I knew God still had a plan for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: at that point. Um, this was 2012. I sought help for the first time. I went to some meetings Um, and, um, it was short lived because I didn't have any endurance. I didn't have the people that were, well, I always had the people that were able to stand beside me and encourage me, but I wasn't ready to receive it and walk a long ways. I I wanted it to be a sprint and it's really a marathon.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, again, I, I saw the light in 2014, um, I hit rock bottom this time Uh, my mother and father told me I could no longer come back to the house you know I'd I'd often do this thing where I would um, get on my feet get a job you know I had a degree um, so I had this false sense of I've got it together and uh, and then I'd relapse and I'd lose everything and then I'd do it again relapse and lose everything and finally they got to the point where they're like we wash our hands of you because this isn't working you know the results are not good and so you've got to figure this out. And they said it in a way that was stern, that I believed it. There was no wiggle room this time. Because
0: yeah. they had had enough. Absolutely. And they sometimes it's a hard thing for parents, but sometimes parents have to come to that place. Like, I've tried to rescue, I've tried to protect you, I've fasted, I've prayed, I've done all the things, and, mm-hmm. like, nothing's happened.
1: Absolutely. And, um, you know, they were providing me all the opportunities, but I wasn't taking it. Yeah. So it it came to that point and um, I received it and I went and got help on my own this time.
0: Wow, so just being kicked out made you go get help. Absolutely. Just the thought of it.
1: Well, I had been homeless before, but now I was really looking at being homeless uh, for a long period of time.
0: Right, and you had been in a nice house with nice parents and good food. So being homeless, like. It's hard for anybody, but I think it's especially hard if you've had a home. Absolutely. (laughs) And a nice home. Right. And you've had all the things like, yeah, living on the street. So
1: true prodigal story. You know, I I often went off on my own. And this time I was ready to come back and I was ready for my life to be changed. Mm -hmm. I didn't want this any longer. Um, I was looking at really bad charges from the police. Um, You know, I really was in a bad spot. So. I reached out to Derek Faulkner at Renewed Life Ministries um, because I I think I mentioned earlier that I had always believed in God, but I thought I was a lost cause. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, this last rock bottom, um, I knew God had a plan for my life and I was ready to take that call on. I was ready to move Mm -hmm. forward. So I didn't make any excuses. I called. I didn't even ask that many questions about this place. I just said, I need help and I need to be long-term. And it so happened to be Derek Faulkner from Renewed Life Ministries. As you know, he's dear to our heart.
0: Very dear friend, very dear friend. He's in heaven now, but a remarkable person.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll never forget him. (laughs) And um, you know, he allowed me to come to that program. And um, I really learned from a deep level of who I was in Christ. I learned my identity, I got to walk it out. I got to see other people walk it out amidst hardships because if you're in recovery, hardships don't stop. Jesus promised us that. He
0: did. <laughs> he did. I don't know why we don't take him seriously. Right. Right. We're always surprised. Like, why is this happening to me? Why right. I'm trying to turn my life around and this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. But he promised us that it's trouble. Right?
1: Exactly. He and promised. so um, I took heart and I, I, I held on to that hope and my hope grew and grew over that year. And, uh, you know, I finally got to realize that um, I had purpose and it was achievable for me to walk in the light, be, achievable for me to walk in freedom and stay there. Um, mm-hmm. I'd always doubted myself and rightfully so, uh, but this time I had confidence in God, which yeah. made all the difference. Right.
0: Because you really don't, it's not really trust in ourselves that brings us freedom. Mm-hmm. And you knew that. Yeah. But you saw that. That trust would be in God and He could give you freedom. Yeah. Do you live in freedom now?
1: Amen. I've been free from drugs, alcohol, and nicotine for eight and a half years.
0: Eight and a half years. Yes, ma'am. Do you ever look back? No. No. I I often
1: have a glimpse of what it would be if I went back. Mm -hmm. And it looks really dark and lonely. And I don't want that. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that part of what, I, I don't want to say encourage you, but part of the circumstances was that you were dealing with like depression and anxiety and drugs covered that. Now that you are clean and sober, are you still struggling with depression and anxiety or has that lifted?
1: That has lessened. It hasn't completely lifted. Yes. So I still deal with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, still have, I wouldn't call it depression as much as I call it. Um, A dark cloud on some days. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing I have scripture and I have my identity, and I also have plenty of opportunity to walk that out with tools, spiritual tools that I've learned over the years, so that they're not seasons, they're moments. Yeah.
0: And that's important because you know now how to take your thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. You know how to do that. And I think that a lot of times we don't realize, you know, we all, if we're honest, have dark clouds that hang over us from day to day and yeah. thoughts that are not so bright and so friendly and anxiety over this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, we're, we're in life in a broken and in a fallen world. But when we know Christ, we do have the full armor of God. We have scripture. We're not just left to fend for ourselves. And what I hear you saying, it's like those things may come to you, but you don't let them park and take over your life.
1: Absolutely. Um, So I have many men that speak over my life um, and, you know, pour into me on a daily basis. And one of them says something that's always stuck with me is, you know, you can't have any control over a bird flying in the sky, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair.
0: Amen. So that's
1: that's the same with these thoughts. That's right. That's right.
0: And that you can take care of your mental health by renewing your mind in Christ. Amen. And we all can do that. Yeah. So now God has placed you in a position of leadership, of spiritual leadership, where you help men with God's help rebuild their lives at Renewed Life Ministries. So let's talk about that for a minute.
1: Yes, I'm the outreach director over at Renewed Life Ministries Outreach. And um, my role there is to help find guys who are in the same spot that I was at, you know, just at rock bottom, really hoping for another chance to walk out Freedom in Christ. And, and so I help recruit them into our program. I also help us find donors, uh, sponsors, people in our area that are willing to volunteer for this ministry. Mm-hmm. And then I disciple these men as they go into our program.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, how about you and your family now?
1: Uh, So I am married um, to uh, my wife. (laughs) That's good. That is good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've got two children, a three-year-old and a two-year-old.
0: So you're a busy man.
1: I'm very busy. Yeah,
0: you've got a wife and two kids and you Mm -hmm. lead a ministry Mm -hmm. for men, a men's outreach. Did you ever imagine when you were like entrenched in that addiction that this day would come for you?
1: No, Uh, I never thought I'd live beyond 26.
0: Oh, that's so sad.
1: But here but I am. But you, here you are. <laughs> here
0: you are. And how about your relationship with your parents now?
1: Uh, my relationship's really good. So um, to encourage these guys, because uh, I'm going to go into the ministry side real quick. Sure. I often encourage these guys that God will allow you to do um, more than you thought was possible if you just trust in Him mm-hmm. and, um, and if you just continue going. And have faith that He's going to take care of every single step that you take. Sure. Um, you know, I've always, I've always been very skeptical about my future, as I said, and didn't think I would live beyond twenty six. And um, as I've walked in freedom, I've developed a new relationship with my parents, new relationship with them that is, it's got a foundation today, and that's different. And I encourage my guys, because most of them have had burned bridges. Yeah. Most of them have absolutely tarnished every relationship they've had mm-hmm. with the lying, with mm-hmm. the stealing, with the manipulating. And, um, and today, my, my relationship with my parents is sevenfold, yeah. what it used to be. I can have conversations with my father that I don't feel like I'm a little kid talking to my father anymore. I feel like I'm talking to a friend.
0: Right, right. And I say that only because I think that from what I understand from talking to people over the years that have had similar issues is that sometimes you can get down so low that you just never see a way out. And you just think, well, everybody thinks I'm a liar, so I might as well be one. Everybody Mm. thinks I'm using, even in that moment that they're clean and sober, right? Even if it's only been for two days, people are like looking at you like, hmm, trying to smell your breath, looking at your pupils, right? Exactly. And that's hard. Yeah. Right. That's hard. But you're saying that you teach men and you encourage them, give it all to God and little by little, he restores your life.
1: Right. Because what was, you know, originally meant to destroy us is going to be made for good. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 119, 71, for it's good for me to have been afflicted so I can learn the Lord's decrees. Mm. Now that shows me that, God never intended for me to be in addiction. But what was used to destroy me at one point will become good for later on because it taught me to be dependent upon the Lord, like the anxiety and depression. Those things today caused me to be dependent on the Lord, to need Him that much more. Mm -hmm. And so my past is the same thing. It's the same thing for these guys. If they can continue walking in freedom in Christ, they can be a light for others that other people couldn't reach.
0: Right. Because, you know, like someone like myself who hasn't gone that path, it's not that I can't pray. It's not that I can't believe. And it's not that I don't love. That's not the issue. But I haven't been in that pit. I've been in other pits, but I haven't been in that pit. So there's something about when a person can say, you know, I've been there. Like, and I was there for this many years. Um, That's quite a story. Well, we are out of time, Blake. But thank you so much for coming today. Stay tuned. Monica will be right back. If you hadn't done blah, 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 this wouldn't have happened. And let me say this to you. If you think that you are in a mess of your own making, you are still an overcomer. When that temptation comes, you want to make sure that you are dressed for battle. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. It takes training. It takes discipline. And so, when you're fighting that good fight of the faith, you take your story, whatever it is, and you saturate it in faith and you fight for
1: it. Visit MonicaSmelter.com to schedule Monica to speak at your next event.
0: Today on Bridges, we heard the story of a prodigal who battled addiction and his mom who would not stop praying. So today, if you are the parent of a prodigal, whether they struggle with addiction or not, I would encourage you according to scripture, don't ever give up. Don't stop praying. Luke 18, we read about the persistent widow, and that story teaches us persistence in our prayer, not to give up. We never know what day God will answer or how he will answer. But we know that the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. So if you're a praying parent, don't stop. Don't give in to discouragement. Continue to believe that God hears you and that in the right time and in the right season that God will answer and that you will see your miracle. I'm out of time, but I'll see you next time. We'll bring you more hope for the journey.